Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to The Horror Hangout, a podcast where film fans watch the best and worst horror movies of all time and have a lovely chat about them. My name is Andy Conduit-Turner. Hey Ben, today he is poorly, but I'm still joined by a very special guest, a filmmaker whose name is so synonymous with horror that his initials are literally, ah, it is one, (laughs) Mr. Errol Anthony Hales. Very good. I never heard that. A-A-H. It's very good. Perfect. Thank you for joining me, Errol. Um, It's It's... overdue, right? We met and spoke, well, we've spoken about a few different films, but we did interviews in the run-up to Fright Fest. We saw you there. I think just before we started recording, last time we saw each other in real life, we were in London having some post-screening shots, which was lovely. You're having really strong vodka shots and you didn't stop buying them. (laughs) Oh, cheers, Andy. Another double vodka. That'll no, do it. We were all back in the morning. We were, we all made it back. It was so good. No, thank you, mate. And I owe you some shots actually. But that was a really fun night. That was the Werewolf Santa, which um played at Fright Fest and is now half released because we pitched it too late to uh, all the AVOD in America and stuff. So we got to wait now a whole year because it's a Christmas film. No one gives a fuck about this. Are you allowed to swear on this podcast? Oh, before? absolutely. Encouraged, in fact. <laughs> no one cares now until like November. So it's just, if you do a Christmas film, it's just like, well, it's like three months where that can be a thing. I mean, if you are a real agent of chaos and you're listening, especially UK folks, and you followed us uh, Fright Fest coverage and you want to catch up, you can catch it on VOD over here already, right? If you really wanted to. Drive their algorithms mad. They're like, what's going on? This is yeah. rocketing up the charts. Summer hit. A summer hit. <laughs> Werewolf Santa. Massive in July. Yeah, huge. Huge. And then you can do a summer film for a for a follow-up. Werewolf yeah. Santa in Australia, where... Well, I love Jack Frost, too. It's not the Michael Keaton Jack Frost, the one with the girl from American Pie, oh. which is a weird, strange VHS horror. Have you seen it? Do you know the one? I'm we on? are well-versed in Jack Frost over here. And part two was set in a sunny beach area or something. It's so mad. In fact, I just promised Ben um, has started building up his VHS collection. He's 
got himself. My, my parents still have a VHS machine, so I don't have an access to one anymore. So I've said he can have my VHS copy of Jack Frost too um, for his little collection. Um, I love Jack Frost though, big, big fan. So good. That VHS is gold, part two. Part two on VHS, wow. Yeah, I love just there's a little bit of it. I mean, obviously one day we will do an episode on Jack Frost too, but just as a little teaser right now, I just love the awareness of the writing in Jack Frost 2 where there was a little bit where they hearken back to like, don't you remember the plan? And it was like, I wasn't here. I wasn't there for that discussion. I've only just arrived in this <laughs> thing. It's really good. It's it's funny. It's knowing. And the first one is really tongue in cheek and funny. And it takes that and then becomes so almost a parody of itself. I would take the joke, the joke stinger for an ending and just make that into a film as well. They're brilliant films. Uh, I, I like the, the Michael Keaton one's like a horror film because that's scary. That snowman's pretty freaky. That's the, creepy. That... And isn't it? Isn't he like a bad, not a Rob Zombie bad dad? He's like a 80s, 90s film bad dad where he just works a little bit too hard and doesn't spend enough time yeah. with his kid. It's like a regular guy, really. I'm, oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm so sorry. Um, uh, well, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll divorce. We'll divorce or something. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And then turned into a snowman for his troubles. Such a creepy film. Um, a horror film, actually, I would say. I'd say it's a horror film. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll be back for another. We'll, we'll do. We'll do an episode next Christmas, shall we? All three Jack Frost. Yes, yeah. <laughs> the Jack Actually, Frost yes. trifecta. Yeah. Um, before we get into the film of the week, I'm going to pivot to the news because you can join me being a part of this news. Um, because Fright Fest, where we became first familiar with you, Errol, um, it's back around again uh, in March. We have Fright Fest Glasgow coming up. Can Amazing. confirm officially if you're not following uh, Ben's excellent work on Instagram and so on that we have passes. We will be there in person. We're going to be doing much the same as we did in London, but further north of the country. We're going to see who we can catch up with in the interim. The screenings work a little bit differently. I think we will just be able to see everything that's on that one. You haven't got to make difficult life choices. So I've never been. I'll join you. I, hopefully, I'll be there. Um, Andy Edwards, who you know has got a great uh, new movie there called Custom, a haunted sex tape film. So that's all we need to know about that. Between that and Midnight Peep Show, Andy's going to get a reputation for himself. He's got one. Sorry, Andy, I know you're probably watching this at some point. You've got one, mate. We've got to sort this out. Yeah, we have to have words. We'll sit him down when we get him up to Glasgow and have a chat about it. Yes, yeah, so have we'll all be there. We'll all be there. We, um, I managed to get on the ticket booking a little quicker than we did. Obviously, it doesn't quite sell out quite as fast as London. So unlike London, we're not sat right at the front. We have nice, comfortable middle seats. I'm very pleased with myself. Amazing. I, I look forward to it. I've never done Glasgow, and I just feel like uh, the cold, snowy streets and having a whiskey with Ian Ratray and one screen and just everything about that sounds good. No, Glasgow yeah. is a... An incredibly fun city. You're going to be in for a whale of a time. And anyone else who's listening, if you haven't got passes yet and there's still any available at time of listening, get on it. Come and join us. Come and meet us live around there. We'll be Ben will be out. One of us will be out. One of us will have a camera. The other one will have those horror hangout <laughs> custom tiny little microphones because we misordered, but they work. That's fine. <laughs> we'll be out there doing it. So yeah, more coverage of Fright Fest Glasgow in the coming weeks. We'll do a little bit more when we've got all the information in front of the films. There's a couple of slots tbc still so um some more surprises still to come um other things i have 
Uh, we already mentioned Werewolf Santa's available on VOD, and you've already mentioned Andy, Andy Edwards. So combine VOD and himself together. His film that we saw at Fright Fest London last year, Punch, that's available on VOD as of now as well, anywhere where you get your VOD things. Came out today, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, a little bit of work with him on that film. Great, great movie. And that is out on DVD as well, I think. So yeah, um, that is on digital. Go and see that. Yeah, that's I, a fun film. you saw that, Andy. Didn't yeah, you? I saw it live at the, at, uh, at Fright Fest. Such a good um, film to watch in a screening with people. Such a fun one to watch with with friends. And I think I said the same to Andy. Like a miracle that like Mr. Punch hasn't already been turned into a, a slasher. What a fantastic idea! So good. They got close with Funny Man. If you saw that, that yes. weird yes, the thing, which is a, a good film. I can't lie, that's a weird one. Vincent Price doing, um, is it Vincent Price doing some weird voice work? You know, I'm not sure I've seen it, certainly not for a very long time. We'll have to get back on the letterbox and get it on the list. It's so good. But yeah, no, Punch, uh, amazing that they hadn't done a seaside slasher around Punch. And I know Andy's doing, shout out to Andy, he's doing Punch on the Moon, like Leprechaun stuff. Punch goes to Vegas, Punch versus werewolf santa all sorts of crazy shit (laughs) (laughs) this sounds like an absolute dream um for me an infinite capacity for this stuff keep them coming andy and then uh at some point i need to go back to the tapes and see what andy would have chosen for his movie and we'll get him on to do one as well Mm -hmm. see what we would have covered but today's movie was uh was your choice oh last bit of fright fest uh related news another film that we all saw at fright fest as well last year suitable flesh um, it's out on Shudder in the end of this week at time of recording, January 26th. So again, if, you're, if you've are if you got a big old checklist from when we were talking about these films at Fright Fest thinking, oh, it's all right for some, isn't it? Going to these festivals and seeing these movies, like what about the rest of us? Now is your time to get caught up. I promised you I'd keep you committed to these things. So um, you can catch that on Shudder if you've got a subscription and you really should. Um, Shudder is isn't it? It's the best yeah. place. Yeah, all really, really good. If you're a horror fan, it's the place to be. And still, fantastic value compared. I'm not sponsored by them, by the way. Non-sponsored content, genuine fan. Um, yeah, it'd be out on the 26th. And I might have to watch it again, you know. Did you see Suitable Flesh live? I did. It was really weird. Um, kind of, I love... Well, I mean, God, how do you describe that? Um, body-swapping, sexual, hyper-horny movie with just Joe Lynch's mad energy about it. Barbara Crampton, always great. Just goes to places. You've seen it, so you know that there's one body swap scene that's really um, gets under your skin and makes you feel quite uncomfortable, depending on who you are. (laughs) So it's a great return to form. Well, he didn't lose form. Joe Lynch is great. I love Wrong Turn too as well. When he did that, it just shot the audience at Fright Fest. It's so good. Wrong Turn 2, I've not seen for many. I did a series like run through in the lead up to the, when they did the reboot a few years ago. So I, I watched yeah, them all yeah. again then. Um, I really like Mayhem. Mayhem's good. Mayhem's fun. great. Brilliant. Fun. Good. And it, it came out with another office movie, didn't it? There were two at the same time. Was it near the time of the Belco experiment, which is the James Gunn yeah. produced one? Both good. Yeah. Both excellent. Both fun. really good. I think Mayhem may be slightly crazier. Yeah, I, I think Mayhem, I love how bright and colourful it is. Um, I mean, both have amazing casts. Like Society, the film we're yeah. seeing today is really bright and colourful. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it's 
It's wonderful. Watch watch all of those films. Um, tell you what, though, another couple of bits of news. We're news rich today. I guess everyone's woken up from from the holidays now. Um, Scream Seven, big, you know, continues to be beleaguered. Um, latest mm. news we saw on that is uh, Jasmine Savoy Brown, another member of the Core Four, last revealed following the news last week that Nev Campbell said she would return if the circumstances were right. So Jasmine Savoy Brown, as of earlier this week, mentioned that no call on Scream Seven for her yet. So we're still in speculation mode, obviously with some cast departures for varying reasons. Um, where do you think they're going to end up going with this? Throw out some wild speculation to the moon. It's weird, isn't it? Um, it's a tough one to keep this series as good as it. I mean, part one's obviously brilliant. Part two's brilliant. Part three, uh, part four, five, six. What? They were good, I think. Are we on seven now? Yeah, I this, think will, be, this will be the seventh. Like, spoiler there. The last one was, the opening was really good in New York. I liked yeah. a lot of things about the Halloween on the subway stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know where they're going to go. Yeah, it? I don't know where they're going to go. I think last time I was talking to Ben, I said they should season of the witch it. Have no ghost face, have a mad <laughs> bloke with masks that teleport snakes yeah. into you. That could, that could be a disaster <laughs> financially, but I like it, though. I yeah. like it. At least, really if it, like at least then you're not going to be torn in the, well, you obviously just couldn't get these cast members back and right. sort the things out, so you've done... Ignore it we all. Want, we want Neve Campbell, of course we do. Yeah. And we want, I mean, Drew, no, you can't have Drew Barrymore come back. Yeah, yeah. There's no way to make that happen. Um, I love how they did the, the one before the last one said, the killer is on this poster. I really like that tagline because that is the fun of those movies that you go, all right, who is it? And the last say, one. It's the fellow in the mask. <laughs> they got both of them wrong on the last one. Yeah. <laughs> so clever. Uh, Very clever. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, we'll continue following the the scream news. Um, we've also seen Nev Campbell may be returning, but you know who is returning? Our old mate from the nineteen eighties, Slimer's back apparently. So in Ghostbusters: Frozen yes. Empire, it's been revealed he wasn't back for the previous um, Ghostbusters reboot a couple of years ago, but they've obviously driven enough money up to his house, got the got the agents working, and Slimer returns. For... Really cool. I thought you meant he was in Scream 7. I was like, that's a good one. Yeah, Slimer in Scream 7. <laughs> no one would expect that. How do you stop him? He's already a ghost. Um, <laughs> I, I guess this is leaning into the fact that the new Ghostbusters movie we're getting has, I think they've openly said their big inspiration is the real Ghostbusters cartoon series of the mid-late yeah. mid, 80s, early 90s, uh, in which Slimer sort of i mean i saw it the wrong way around i remember the cartoon as a child before i saw the movies oh, wow. so okay. so for me it was strange when he wasn't just their friend that was like living in the house with them you know occasionally sliming peter bakeman and <laughs> and and causing a little bit of mischief that Is he that was what just it was? He was it, living in, a, in like a house share with the ghostbusters yeah so in, in the ghostbusters cartoon of the of the day yeah he was basically like their their comedy sidekick who basically speaks an approximation of English, but mostly just noises and, you know, yeah. sometimes gets them into a bit of trouble. Whether he's going to be their friend in this or a bit of comic relief, it's yet to, yet to be seen, but 
We've seen pictures of him. He is returning. It's good old Slimer. And it's set in London. Part, part of it's in London. I like this Ice Empire thing. I think that it's... I, don't, I mean, I don't love it because it feels very like a concept thrown at Ghostbusters, but I like the idea of it's going to be really cold and icy and this kind of new thing that they're doing. Interesting. I've, I've been a bit of a roller coaster on this one. I think I saw the first trailer and I thought, similar to you, is like, have you had an idea and then thought yeah. we can do a find and replace for the word Ghostbusters in this? Or... The day after tomorrow meets Ghostbusters yeah. or something. That's we'll see. Um, with with the return of Slimer and maybe the inspirations they're talking about, and maybe... Right. It's going to be great. No, maybe a bit more, more excited to it. Um, yeah. Two more bits for you then. Uh one, just a lovely milestone, an excuse to talk about one of my favourite films of last year again. Godzilla Minus One has passed 100 million at the box office. So a film that cost a mere fraction of that amount of money continues, a bit like The Greatest Showman, to be a rolling juggernaut at the box office and continues to have its run extended. And for a foreign language movie, I mean, I'm very happy to see it do exceptional. Have you got around well, to seeing it yet? Of the film, how much was it? Uh, fifteen million. Okay, brilliant. They, they've yeah. done. I, I, I'm ashamed to say I haven't seen it yet. Obviously, oh, I know it's amazing. You must. And like so Stranger of Sam, it's going to make me cry as well as scare me. And yeah, so I'm, I can't wait to see it. I'll see it asap. I think ASAP. we're getting. Maybe this will be the catalyst, especially living in London as you do, where you probably have access to a lovely screening of this. It's getting a black and white re-release. Uh, back yeah, into the cinemas. That's cool to hear. Yeah. 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 Oh, if, you can, if you can still catch it, it is well worth seeing at a cinema. If you can go, maybe even if you have to make a choice, not, I'm not sure that you're going out with a tape measure. If you have to choose between screen size and sound system, the sound work in it is incredible. Really? Yeah. If you, if you can get it, if you can get an IMAX on it, it's really, really good. You can, yeah, you can feel screen. it. Yeah. It's really, really great. And then the last one I had, this one's a couple of weeks old, but we didn't get to talk about it. And given the film it's about, I needed to bring this up. Uh, David Bruckner, so you all know him listening at home uh, as the creative talent behind films, including the VHS series, The Ritual, uh, Nighthouse, Hellraiser, the latest one. And currently he is reportedly... Um, keeping himself busy, writing and directing a remake of The Blob. Oh, brilliant. Well, yeah. We love that. Yeah. And we love the 80s Blob, and we love we love the original, but I think the 80s one was um, really good. <laughs> yeah. The 80s one is one of my absolute favourites. And like you say, the, the 1950s original Blob, great, great period piece, a great creature feature that I remember watching like late at night. Um, but that remake... It yeah. pulls zero punches. Um, I watched the Beware of the Blob, the 1970s lesser-known follow-up a few weeks ago. That was... You know what? If you get with it, stick with it. Because at first you'll go, this isn't as good. <laughs> it, it, feels, it feels quite amateur it feels quite um it doesn't have the scale of even of the of the 1950s one where it's you know got quite a serious tone to it it's um it's a bit more schlocky but as it progresses you hit about the halfway mark and it really finds its stride i think it really settles in it's uh it's quite enjoyable you were the blob definitely a lesser known blob film isn't it yeah when you see it. yeah and it's just it's properly in, it's again in a in a small town 
it's you know a few years on so it's 70s like the color palette takes a little bit of getting used to if you we haven't quite reached those highs of color saturation of the 80s and the 80s vision of what you know the future looks like with the you know the the scientists and the military you don't quite have that kind of budget behind it you basically you know no military operation you just got the sheriff who's investigating and a man who is very annoyed that some kids made him drop his bottles of pop that he was unloading from his car and those and, and the teenagers that have found out about the blob and those are your main guys where are the blob 1972 that's mad yeah wow i will check that out 21 percent rotten tomatoes okay so they didn't love it it does it deserves a little more than that i would say it's yeah. i say slow start worth sticking with by the end, I was really invested in it. I thought it was very good. Okay, I'm going to check it out. Yeah. Right. That um, ends us for horror news. The next thing we'll have a little chat about is what we have been watching. Uh, I had a bonanza last week, everyone. Not so much to cover this week, just a couple of things for you. But um, you don't join us every week, of course, so you don't have to just do the last seven days, Errol. So, um what you've been watching what would you recommend recently what's kicked off your new year in the horror world firstly a, a quick non-horror one the holdovers is really good election and sideways are great 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 fun but but to horror their night swim was uh, better than i think people were saying i thought it was a weird poltergeisty type film yeah. um check out night swim it's not, not not amazing, but it's, it's it's weird. I think um, it had a. We did an episode a few weeks ago, and my takeaway was that definitely there are some fantastic crafted scenes. Yeah. Um, story yeah. lost it for me a little bit with its conclusion, especially with the messages it's bringing versus how it ultimately ends. I won't spoil it again here. There's a whole episode for us to do that, but um, mm -hmm. but yeah, yeah, narratively there are some changes that didn't quite land with me, and that's okay. Not everything's for me. But there are some good individual scenes. The Marco Polo scene, I think, lovely, yeah. great stuff. There are some good little scares in there and, and some, I mean, a high concept like that, it's tricky to see where you can go with it. But but they did go to some interesting places. I thought that was good. Uh, I thought that was not, not great, but I thought that was good. Um, I thought Poor Things had some crazy shit going on. Obviously, that's quite a... I still haven't uh, been able to see it yet. I'm really desperate to. I've heard, it's, heard it's great. It's wild time. I'm writing a, a Christmas-based ghost story, so I love Christmas horror. And I'm researching films, so I re-watched The Changeling with George C. Scott, which is just yeah. fucking brilliant. Have you seen that, Andy? That one? I, I, you know, I haven't. The guys did an episode before I joined them full-time. Full oh, no, it was just when I was away for a week, and I've missed it, but it's on my watch list still. You are going to love it. It's just got that 1980s angry George C. Scott uh, character-based ghost story stuff going on and on and on. It's so good. Uh, I also rewatched The Babadook, which we know is brilliant, and the original Woman in Black from 1989. Was that? Oh. I don't know, 1980. I don't know what year that came out. Scary as fuck. Really you know, good. Scary. I reckon you've hit a blind spot there. I don't think I knew there was a 1980s The Woman in Black. I thought oh, it was. I thought God. it was a play, and I knew it was a book, but I didn't yeah. know there was an original film. There is indeed, and Kim Newman and some people do a great commentary on the Blu-ray DVD. It is a scary film. I wow. dare you, and anyone watching who hasn't seen the original, I think it's 1980, uh, might be 1989 though, it's either 1980 or 1989, uh, Woman in Black. It is really scary. If you watch that in the dark at midnight, I promise it will freak you out. Wow. 
that's a hard recommendation of you adding that to my list yeah check away so there's how your horror year started um mine has uh looks like i had a really really busy one while it was particularly cold the last week or so but slow down a little bit because i've watched a bit of non-horror i'll touch on them very briefly because they're not horror films but still going through cinematic history i watched 1973 robert redford paul newman's the sting which i'd never yeah, seen before what a film fabulous film isn't it fun right and it, and it just keeps unraveling you go where are we oh that's not real that's not real. what's going on so great yeah yeah, no, great, great film. So good, aren't they? Great film. Okay. If you're not if you're not just into horror, you like just good cinema, great character stuff. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And I don't think really struck me that you know Robert Redford is one of those actors that has been famous for my entire life, and I've seen so little of his things when he wasn't already an older guy. Um, Have you seen Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid? That's the thing. No, not even gone that far it's back. I've got, I've got I've got some catching up to do. What a film. <laughs> um, of, a, of a slightly later era, but flinging us forward into the sense, uh, you know, in terms of setting wise, I also watched the movie, which was, I guess, the jumping off point for the series, Buck Rogers in the 25th century. Don't ask me how I got to that conclusion, but I decided to watch it. And you know what? It's real fun. Is like, yeah. Oh, the, there's. There are so many fun little parts. So basically, it's a guy who was an astronaut in the 1970s who gets frozen. He gets woken up 500 years in the future. Earth was basically destroyed in fairly short order by environmental crises just after he was frozen in the 1980s. Um, mm. And now they have AIs that do all of the important stuff like run our trade and industry and our environment for us. Um, and... People are very, very yeah, of today. Then, yeah, people are very proper, and they don't like the way he does things. And the computers tell them how to fly their ships and do fighting. But he is a handsome man for from nineteen seventies, and from everyone from the really well put together, um, like commander of Earth's defense forces who wants no nonsense from anyone, to the space princess who is the basically the heir to an oppressive empire who also looks like an incredibly sexy human woman. All those people, you'll never guess what about this guy from the 70s, all want to fuck him so badly. <laughs> um, and it's just about him being a little bit... He's basically like a series of him being Han Solo and having friend being... He is a cross between Han Solo and Axel Foley. So there's a bit where wow, these the, there's going to be a betrayal and these people who are pretending to be friends, they're going to bomb them. And he's put in like rubbish in the exhaust pipes of their spaceships their bombers they're all like he's a real trickster is buck rogers and tell you what he has a wicked adventure it's ever so fun i'd recommend that awesome. taking you know perilously a uh jump back to horror i also watched 1997's i believe tv horror anthology campfire tales have you seen yeah, this yeah. one you have seen it, and the dog licking the hand, right? Yeah, that it, creepy. Fucking it's your, it's your, it's your classic urban legends, right? Before, before urban legend, uh, or you know, of a similar well, when urban legend. The hand, actually, yeah, sorry, a bit of a spoiler, but that is creepy. That bloody bit. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Well, there's some big, there's some fairly large names in it. Um, the brother from yeah. Malcolm in the Middle, uh, is one of the people in the beginning bit. You have, um. Oh, I'm now going to immediately lose his name. And because he's only a small part, so Christopher Masterson is one of the main characters in it. But 
James Marston. That's it. Your guy in your cold open with the guy in the hook hand that's uh, gripping yeah, to the back of the yeah. car. Yeah, some good fun urban it's legends. A good film, that isn't it? Because the thing is, it got a bit of a cult following. That's getting some okay reviews. Those are always scary, and I love the movie Urban Legend and all that stuff. But this was a um, grimier. Yeah, <laughs> it's just quite nasty. It's quite good. Yeah, especially you're right. That one, you know, the humans can lick to um, oh, Urban oh. Legend. I'm gonna rewatch that. Gonna it's really that. intense. It's really like it's good. It's very yeah. fun. Make a note and watch that again. Urban Legends probably on YouTube for free. Yeah, these chats always get you get you some more films to watch. The watch list goes up every week. But apart from 1990, that... 1990, Got him. So apart from that, though, we both watched uh, Society. I will give you a little blurb on this one. Let's bring it up here. So Society is a 1989 American body horror film directed by Brian Yusner, starring Billy Warlock. Billy Warlock, as some might say, Devin, Devin DeVasquez, Evan Richards, and Ben Mayerson. Plot follows a Beverly Hills teenager who begins to suspect that his wealthy, wealthy parents are part of a gruesome cult for the social elite. And there we go. Um, what the critics say, IMDb, 6.5 out of 10. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, 64% audience, 60% critics. Uh, Letterboxd, 3.4 couple of choice reviews for you. Laird mm. says four stars. Um, Eyes Wide Shunt is his review. It's Laird, Laird's review. Very good. Uh, Matthew Christman, two and a half stars. Uh, first 80 minutes, one star. Last 10 minutes, five stars. And Sarah Squirm. Now that's what I call movie magic. My favorite character makes an appearance. Asshead, five stars. Yeah, it's not there a basket case for being doing delivering. You know, Brian Usner. Do we say Yusner? Usner? How do we say that? Uh, um, we'll say it. We'll say it both ways. Ben, you can do the edit and make sure we sound absolutely correct every single time after you've looked it up. Yusner. Usner. Brian Usner said he got really sick and tired of movies not going far enough in the horror genre, and I think when you look at his films. <laughs> That, that particularly this one, that he really pushes it. The famous ending of this film. If anybody hasn't seen this film. Yeah, I mean, before we get into it, I would say if you haven't experienced it, this is up there for me with films like another personal favourite, Sleepaway Camp. If you don't know the end yet and you have managed to avoid it all these years without seeing a clip on, you know, Watch Mojo's Top Tens, whatever, um, pause go and watch it now we're going to go through and cover we're going to go cover the whole thing and we'll you'll hear about what happens at the end um but it is something to experience if you haven't um if if you haven't already this is worth seeing live right it's worth going live yes yeah. so it's worth seeing it and then finding out uh what events are near you to offer that experience <laughs> I'm just looking at... Okay. Uh, That's a very, very dark experience that they undergo. Um, but my God. And based on a true... At Fry Fest, there was a documentary about the writers said it was all based on a true story. Quite grim, actually, that documentary. Quite um, depressing. I haven't got around to watching it. I think Ben watched it in preparation, but obviously he's uh, poorly. Yeah. But 
yeah, I really need to catch up on that. Now I've seen the film and can appreciate what they're talking about. I need to go back and catch the documentary. This is right, Dark Side of Society. So I will have a look and put in the show notes if it's available to watch in general somewhere now so people can go and dig it out. I'm taking a look at Brian Yusner's other um, films that he was associated with. So he went on to direct um, lots of horror sequels in his time. Uh, mm-hmm. Bride of Reanimator, Return of the Living Dead 3, which I Brilliant. watched and very much enjoyed a few weeks ago. How good is that? That's so, the best. I, I think my main review is that is a, a, you know, incorrectly in society, Return of the Living Dead is not the the name of the zombie franchise that appears to every on everyone's lips initially, unless I think you're a bit of a horror fan already. Mm-hmm. For the third movie in that series to be as good as it is and to have that amount of emotional weight to a zombie movie. It's so good. Yeah. No business being that good. I can promise everybody, you heard me say a couple of weeks ago when I talked about Return of the Living Dead 3 that I cautioned Ben that, uh, not that he's my close friend and I know he has a type, but I feel like he'll be in love having watched that movie. That's not why he's sick. (laughs) He's not just moping around (laughs) <laughs> in love with the character from Return of the Living Dead 3. Uh, and the dentist, uh, the se- oh, uh, yeah, both of them, the original it's album. Night, Deadly Night film he did. Um, from Beyond is is wicked, obviously. Yeah. Um, as gooey, as gooey as this one, and obviously the original reanimator. Um, but those later ones, the dentist is pretty fucked up 90s film. I don't think if I've seen the that. dentist. You know, I, I'm aware of the I'm aware of some of the phrases from it. Um, yeah. but um, yeah I, I don't think I've seen it another one for the watch list um, and I don't worry if you've got non-horror fans in the audience why you'd be watching this oh my goodness before I talk about that one of my favourite discoveries of last year 1987's Dolls oh what a film yeah oh, so he so was the what did he do did he direct he, did he write? co-wrote the comedy Honey I Shrunk the Kids yeah yeah <laughs> which is great which is great but Do- dolls i mean i love honey i show the kids and all, all of that that stuff and i love that he did that but dolls um i remember the vhs cover with that terrifying looking doll um just ter- the scariest doll you've ever seen um on that vhs cover and just thinking wow that looks genuinely terrifying more than child's play even it was just yeah. so dark and, and there's movie. the scene with the bear in the beginning and actually yeah um he's probably the closest that came to eating our friend andy edwards lunch because there's a mr punch in that isn't he but he's a nice little dolly oh shit yeah there is yeah i think his name is punch right yeah so the toy makers have got all the dolls i haven't seen that for a while but yeah there is a there is a little Mr. Punch, I think, which is I'll have cool. to I'll have to look up the details, but I'm pretty sure it got a screening at Bristol Bad Film Club late last year off the back of it getting a new new reprint, a new physical release. So, yeah. so it may be more available than ever before. But yeah. I wouldn't call it a bad film though. I think it's actually a good film. I think oh. the acting for the two girls is bad. Yeah. Oh, I think it's one of those things that whereas your your normies, your shit munchers might consider it's a bad film, we can celebrate these things as wonderful. I've seen I've seen some of my favorite films uh in you know, quote unquote the uh event Bristol Bad Film Club. I've seen Chopping Mall with them. I saw 
a screening of um, of Sleepaway Camp, uh, Runaway, the uh, the the Tom Selleck, Gene Simmons Runaway, double I don't effort. Know. I'm gonna write that one down. What's oh that my one? goodness, get that on there! <laughs> I had nightmares about Runaway for years. That Gene Simmons makes these robotic spiders with poison needles that assassinate people. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Runaway or runaway? Runaway. Right? Runaway. Spiders. Okay, that's very. Don't know that. I love hearing a movie I've never heard of. Yeah. Wow. What's and of course, the first film I ever saw at Bristol Bad Film Club, Zoltan, colon, Hound of Dracula, which we watched in a graveyard. Yeah, that's great. Ever so good. But all of those wonderful things aside, we come to society. So we've talked about uh, Brian Yusner's work. Where else might we know Billy Warlock from? Our, our main... Where do we know him from? Oh, is he a... Okay, so uh, a Baywatch regular. Oh, was he? Days okay. of Our Lives. So, and he was also in General Hospital, which I guess is a an American TV show. So, someone who is uh, oh, and he was also the Cunningham's younger nephew in the ninth season of Happy Days. So, primarily a television actor over in the US. Apart from this absolute cult horror role, it's so mad because the whole film plays like. Beverly Hills 90210 on acid, mm-hmm. a really fucked up acid trip. So it feels like a kind of a an 80s TV thing in, in a way. I think it's very cinematic because the angles are so extreme. But there is that Beverly Hills 90210 on acid vibe, I would say. And I guess before we get into the plot here, we'll have ample opportunity to talk about the effects work as they reach us in the plot. But you already mentioned the the colour choices and everything on this one as well. It has that sort of bright, sunny Beverly Hills affair. I would, you know, you'd think you could see like like fresh prints colour, colour styling, right? In the, in the settings they have. And it feels like a Michael J. Fox movie as well that just went wrong. It's yeah. like you fell asleep in a Michael J. Fox movie. Because Billy Warlock's got a bit of that Michael J. Fox vibe. Yeah. Woke up. And society was on instead. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck is this? Yeah, just signed the wrong contract. You didn't get to have a lovely time travel adventure with mild peril. This is what happened. Um, So I guess plot-wise, we begin. uh, Billy is our main character. So Billy uh, Whitney lives with his parents in in Beverly Hills. And we sort of have a cold open with him. Mm. Sort of coming back to the house in sort of a panic, right? So he's... yeah. He's we around. Do. We get the opening credits first with that theme that you've been humming all day, that creepy thing. And yeah. we see this hunting, but in red, kind of, we don't quite know what the fuck is going on. It's kind of there already. Yeah. And it's yeah. already, yeah, you're right. It's already happening. I um had to look up what the song was called, which, you know, spoilers, everybody. This is a comment on, um, on class and uh, yeah. the upper classes in particular being horrible wrongans. Um, it's the Eaton Boating song, is oh, what, yeah. the, is what the thing is, yes. is. Is the main theme of the main thing. Thing they've got uh, <laughs> a wonderful like. Uh, it's usually sung uh, either by rugby crowds or by um, you know like a male choir from Eton, of course. Uh, the famous for, for non-UK listeners, Eton is a very expensive public school in the UK, which statistically speaking, most of our prime ministers will have been to. Yeah. And is 
the best way you can land a government contract in this country, which is to have gone to the same school, because that when they go sourcing to give out lots of money for public services, question one is typically, did you go to school with the prime minister? And if you tick yes, doesn't matter what your experience or your prices are, everybody. Sorry, the conservative. Uh, they never check, though. Just say you did. Just yeah, say yeah. 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 Sorry, any uh, any uh, Eton members, I'm afraid I might not be as kind to this one. I'm sure some of you are very nice. Um, <laughs> but... It's so creepy. The way they do that though, is so haunting over the visuals of shunting rather than beautiful boating scene. Yeah. So straight away, this this movie and the title Society is obviously quite on the nose. And we learn later that you know Washington's tied into the plot and jobs yeah. there. It's all um, it's all tied yeah. into that to the ruling classes and so on. But yeah, he Billy gets home and he sounds like um you know, it sounds like there's something going on in the house. He goes to see his therapist, have a talk about it, because he's I really love that scene with the therapist because the, yeah. the score to this film is really good. And that bit with the apple and everything, you're like, whoa, okay, what, what is this? Yeah. This is, um, like a weird uh, moment from a Cronenberg film almost. That yeah, I, I sort of came away thinking, is this going to be, I mean, had the, having, I, I'd not seen the film. This is my first watching in preparation for us to watch this together. But, um, you know, I didn't know beat for beat. I, I knew about the shunting already, unfortunately. So I didn't get that as a, an ultimate surprise. But as we began, not knowing the full ins and outs of the story, I always spent a lot of this film guessing, is there something going on? Is this an exercise in paranoia? You know, are we having like a, uh, like a Jacob's Ladder or a, or a possession where you're never quite going to be clear as to what is being perceived by your lead character and what is actually happening right and then that's our first game. and the apple i mean wonderful effects work because this apple is like laced with like blood is oozing out of it and there are worms crawling but it's not it doesn't look like someone has taken a spoonful of worms and put them on top of an apple um, that's really for an well effect. Done, they're so. laced through yeah. this apple I don't yeah. know how they did it. Incredible. No, there's lots of moments. We'll talk about the shower. How did they do that a bit later as well? But yeah, I remember when I was a kid, I saw a documentary on uh, horror effects. I think we're slightly different ages. Um, and I don't say ages, but I was watching this thing on Channel 4 and they had this apple scene from society. I didn't know it's in the film. And I just thought the mood was really captivating. But now you talk about that. I don't know how you would do that apple bit. I don't know how they did that. They must have put fake worms through stitch through fake worms and then put on yeah. real worms that are on the top and it sells everything that else maybe really shit and it looked really good or maybe they've i don't know maybe they're like because the blood is like oozing out of it are they pumping the blood upwards through the back of the apple maybe so it's that is mad yeah 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 something incredible incredible work so he's already we know that Billy is is living with his parents now. Is it is it a common fact that he's adopted, or is this just something he says because he feels he doesn't fit in? I think he he says it because he feels he doesn't fit in. Yeah. I don't think it's a common fact. No. But no one actually says yes, you are adopted. It is a you know, it's just because he doesn't feel 
connected to the rest of the family feels. Exactly. And then right at the end, we get more of a revelation from from one of the characters. But in the beginning, no, it's just this sense of it's a, a John Hughes goes to hell, isolated teen drama kind of yeah. thing. And he feels, and despite the fact he's a successful kid, right? So he is in the running for class president. We see in a moment he has a debate, but he's the star of a, a sports team and he lives in the you know, he lives in a wealthy family that are well-connected and the sister is preparing for her yes. coming out party. Yes, um, and the whole thing is so rich, you're right. Everything, every car in this movie, everything is so wealthy. It really feels like they have some production budget. I can't remember what the budget is on this film, but you really feel that money, don't you, about yeah. it? Is it is it on here? No, it's not listed, unfortunately. I have to no, dig no. that out a little bit later. Um, but he's interesting as well, because he's he is that kind of guy who who is the football captain but they play him completely opposite to that he's like a kind of revenge of nerds guy trapped in the body of one of those kind of high school jock guys it is kind of strange you are right because he you know bill is you know he is still angling with the incredibly rich kid if he's going to be invited to his party or not later on yet the fact that he has the gorgeous girlfriend. He is a sports director, but yet there's this awkwardness about him that he is. So weird that he's not invited to that party. You're right because you think, well, he's he's on stage, clearly very popular. Why is he not invited to that party? Yeah, but that's that whole thing, isn't it? Where yeah. the wicked man vibe of this film. Yeah, and it's it is really yeah it is it is interesting as we as we go through these things. So yeah, he feels like an outcast despite the fact on paper he's incredibly popular um and as i say we're preparing for his sister's coming out party and the parents don't like his friends either they don't like him hanging around with his with his friends, they, friends yeah <laughs> his, his, yeah his friends that don't have the social status that they are aiming for i mean this is set in the u.s but um i think it's worth mentioning if it like coming out parties are alien to us here i mostly know about what coming out parties are from period dramas in in this country I don't or know what that means what what is what is that so a coming yeah. out party if you've ever um been to the toilets of a um of a cozy club the uh very good cocktails i'm not sure if it's more of a midlands thing but they have the debutante ball posters up in the toilets there and you think oh isn't this a quaint thing from the you know the 1940s no no these are like from magazines from 20 2019 2020 they still exist I believe a coming out party is effectively within high society, um, you know, where there are upper classes and peoples do, you know, talk about what families are achieving and things like that. It is a point at which uh, usually a usually a female member of the family, one of the daughters of the family, has come of age and she is introduced into the society scene where she will then be, um, you know, you know what? There's there's even a, a link here. So it's a debutante ball. So a young woman or from an aristocratic or upper-class family who has reached maturity is presented to society at a formal debut, uh, mm-hmm. which basically means originally, back in the old days, it meant that the lady being introduced was old enough to get married now, so this was the family saying, hey, if you're a wealthy person who we would approve of, you're allowed to come wow. and call on our daughter now. And obviously... Yeah. If you're in those days, you'd go for two walks and then be engaged, right? But um, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's what they're preparing for. In not a period drama, these things still happen. 
That's crazy. I think the performance of the parents is great, the sister, everyone really, but the dad is particularly menacing. The reaction times he has to things, whenever they interact, uh, our central character, Billy Warlock plays, what's the name of our leading guy in this? So he's also he's also named Bill. Is he Bill? So whenever he's kind of engaging with, with his parents or sister, they're always, there's this massive disconnect in the dialogue. And their timing is so great with that. They're very dismissive or they're very um, just chilling. They're smiling at everything. It's that kind of American beauty. Everything's great. Yeah. You know, white picket fence world. But it's done this casting. The dad in this, what else has he been in, actually, this guy? Well, we'll pull him, we'll pull him up here and take a look. I mean, while I just get him up on screen, We're talk about good. like the the energy that the dad has as you say it's very good that the dad has quite a menacing energy even when he's not saying anything threatening um if you want a modern uh take of that anyone who has seen um cobweb recently as well anthony starr as the dad in that even when he's not saying anything menacing is effortlessly quite you know, he, 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 puts, yeah, he puts you on on edge. It's about anything's going to, anything could happen at any time. Yeah. Uh, let's have a look here. So Jim Whitney, that must be the dad. His name, no. the actor's name is Charles Lucia. Really? Yeah. Uh, and let me just, of course, when you do this live, that's when your internet doesn't work. So Charles Lucia, he is in... Amongst others, the hand that rocks the tape, the cradle, tank girl, um, society is his largest, most popular film. So he's not in a great deal of other things that you might have heard of. I mean, apart That's from those other two, because he was so good. I, I mean, I love the hand that rocks the cradle. I can't think who he was in that. Maybe he was the um, the doctor or something at the beginning, uh, the gynecologist. Um, and tank girl, I haven't seen that. That's a real cult movie. I haven't seen. Yeah. I've not seen Tank Girl for a very long time. Yeah, so he's yeah, right, he, yeah. he is effortlessly quite menacing. And mm. I would say from quite early on, even before you're quite sure of the specifics of what's going on, mm -hmm. the interactions he has with his mother, she's quite overtly Massive. sexual. Yeah, it's quite predatory in a sexual way towards him from quite early on, right? It's massively incestual and weird from earlier. Yeah. I think that they, I'm just, there was one moment. Yeah. Anyone who's, I'm going to be really nerdy here. Anyone who wants to get a handle on the dad's performance here at 23, 23 of the film, 23 minutes, 23 seconds, the dad discovers a microphone in an earring and his reaction to it, his smile and yeah. careless reaction to that. I think that performance is bloody genius. Um, yeah. 23, 23. I've actually got time codes here. Oh, this is wonderful. Uh, yeah, Far stronger note-taking than I've done this week. Just as I just thought that, that moment. Um, but yeah, the whole family is very... This film is really horny. The whole film is super yeah. horny. Uh, there are phallic symbols everywhere. On the beach, there's sun cream being spurted bukkake-like yeah. on several characters. There are sex dolls in cars and 
that, that have men in their mouths <laughs> this feel and the shunting at the end and my god the level of orgy depravity what the fuck is going on there this film is so horny and actually we talked about the joe lynch film earlier um what was that called again the suitable flesh and a film like that actually kind of links to a film like this tonally in some way because it's supercharged up sexually there's something going on on a very weird level where it's twisting tropes and norms yeah at the beginning which we'll get on to soon but yeah it's got that horny quality i'm sure you agree andy it's yeah yeah it's it's it is an incredibly horny film, but has the a bit a bit like suitable flesh. Mm. It has, you know, there are scenes which are which are, you know, meant to be sexy between the lead characters that we have a little bit later, and there are actual just I say regular, it gets spooky, but there are regular sex scenes in this as well. Mm. But then you have the depravity and the twist and the and the twisted nature of it, which which really throws you for a loop and the characters in the scenes as well, right? Like with the way that the bodies just don't quite appear as you expect, expect well, them the to. Twisting, the twisting is yeah. amazing. That shower scene, again, I've got a time code to drop it in later, but but there is, we're allowed to give away spoilers here, right? Yeah, yeah, please. Yeah, I, we've, we've given everyone the warnings and it was out in 1989. So if you're surprised now, you've had enough time, everybody. Um, exactly. So, so on, okay, here we go. Real geeky stuff. This at 14.59, character in the shower sees his sister in the shower and it appears that her body um, has twisted around so that her breasts are above her bum. This yeah. is a really weird moment. You see it behind the shower door. I was trying to work out how they did this effect. And I think that it's the, the boobs are fake. Okay, so they stuck some boobs on her back. I think and... so. But tell me what you think. I don't, I don't know, but there's a lot of twisting yeah. going on. Or, or did they go the other way? Like Or the other way, probably. Yeah, because can you can you make out her face through the frosted glass? Yeah, you so can. You, her, thing, so maybe thought... you'd give her a fake bum. Yeah, but you do see her face. So And, yeah, it's one of them. But that, the way they do that scene is... And the later scene where he has the the one night stand with the girl at the party and she twists around. That one's a bit more, okay, the duvet's covering her. So we get that one. And we get a hand that comes in from a funny angle to caress his face that should be impossible. Exactly. There there is an amazing moment when we think he's put his arm around her shoulder, but it's her arm with her nails in a place it wouldn't be. There's some really clever stuff. But that initial shower bit is the first bit of the film where you go, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah, it's it's very surreal. And like the, the relationship with his sister kind of twists quite quickly. Because at the beginning they're quite friendly. He had she has a old boyfriend who has broken up with him. He's creeped into the house. And at first he's the in the wrong and he throws him out. Um and later we find out that he knows that there's something going on. And I take it that we this was him. <laughs> this was I guess this was him planting the microphone, I suppose. Like when yes, that's exactly right. He was planting, yep, planting it. In he must have been planting the microphone. He want, and he's saying as Billy's throwing him out, it's like, oh, you don't understand. I need to talk to you. It's not what's, not what's happening. But yeah, I tell you what, we'll we'll hit a couple of bits to catch us up. So there is, we we've already heard that Billy is uh, he's going for student council and he's going up against someone who would yeah. typically be 
your classic student class president, right? Like, aka from a 1980s movie, he's a guy with glasses. (laughs) Exactly, yeah, he's got the glass. He actually does look like a real geek, that guy. He's a good, good bit of casting. He has glasses and... uh, He has a jumper on the beach. When they're all at the beach, there's a jumper. Yeah, he has a lovely blazer and a suit jacket on. So he's having a debate with him at the beginning, and this is where he first meets the... Well, he has a girlfriend in this to begin with, at the very least, but he meets the a love interest character. And at first it could be like it's, um, I guess, almost like japes to help throw him off at this. Um, if, it, if this was the Michael J. Fox high school movie, this would be the trick that you get to throw the jock off his game. Uh, if you're in a, maybe more of a Van Wilder, maybe, but he is having to have a, do a debate presentation on, the merits of the school having a dress code. And as he is doing so, this girl who was sitting... Um, Amazingly stunning girl, this yeah. bloody girl. So this is um, Devin DeVasquez as... Uh, what else has she been? I actually need to see every film she's been. She's so been. she is in uh, House 2. Oh, okay. I'll rewatch House 2. So That's she great. is in House 2. That is the main... I was about to say that's the is main horror film, but she's not. Oh, yeah. She's also in... Citizen Toxie, the Toxic Avenger 4. Oh, what a legend. Well, she's so good. And she reminds me of Star in The Lost Boys. She's got such a great bloody charisma in this film. Yeah, she, she does. Reminds me of that um, amazing girl. So she plays Clarissa. Um, and yeah, she is basically sitting there. Um, well, she's not in as explicit a way, but she is... Um, Doing the well, old Sharon Stone. Her legs or whatever. Yeah, yeah. she's doing. She's she's going full on basic instinct and putting him off, and he kind of does a hum and a hum and a hum and a, but he's trying to you do his speech. Thrown. You would be thrown by this. Yeah, it's fair to say. Yeah, <laughs> he didn't do that in your speech giving practice. Um, so he's thrown out, but then when um his actual girlfriend like bangs her books and gets his attention back, he does a good speech. It's funny. Um, his actual girlfriend's a funny character. That guy. yeah, she's very good, and then. She doesn't have a, te- I mean, slight, slightly jumping ahead. She doesn't have a terrible fate, does she? She just drives off. Yeah, she she gets. Yeah, I can't remember what happens. She drives off, right? She just, so, okay. she just exits the film. Okay. <laughs> there, there is there isn't anything that goes wrong with her. Basically, I guess, from a point of view, the things that the nefarious goings on later. I guess what they they don't need to kill everyone he knows if they aren't getting close to the truth. They just want to kind of isolate him from everything. So. The very fact that he breaks up with his girlfriend and then, her, well, a friend sees him at the party later on. She sees that he's gone round to Cassie's house and then she goes, right, that's it, I'm off then. And then she drives off. Yeah, she's but... moody. <laughs> I think they just said, your main thing is that you're, you're, you're quite moody about a lot of things that are going on. On the beach, she has a right to be moody because he's clearly into that other girl on the beach but yeah yeah that's basically- um and that is heidi kozak who if you're keeping score on this and adding to your watch list you can see in friday the 13th part seven a new blood and um slumber party massacre 2 the one with the guitar um yeah so that's that's what's going on with them but there is all this pressure for society that we've we've got to the beach scene now and again billy is at the he's at the beach with his uh with his girlfriend um and she is and she's annoyed that they're not going to this party uh that the popular guy is having and then um 
David, David Blanchard comes and again, tries to approach Billy and says, no, look, there's something going on. I hit a microphone in, in my ex's, uh, uh, in her earring and listen to what was recorded. And he has a classic 1980s dictaphone and he mm. plays back a video, which is basically them, you know, it's they family orgy. What the fuck? That, yeah, that whole bit is mad. They're just that they're just planning it, isn't it? It's like an orgy of evidence that these are these are a bunch of wrongans. It's like, okay, so everyone's trapped in the car. Okay, let's drive. He goes, no, no, fast forward a little bit. So he goes, so when does the orgy take place? He goes, right after dinner, of course. So you have the the orgy. <laughs> uh, so you have the dinner. And then you do the orgy. And then will I be able to do it with women as well? Absolutely. You can do it with everyone. First, you pick someone your own age, and then you do it with your mother and me, and then and then everybody. Um and he's quite angry at first. He's like, How dare you besmirch my sister's good name? Yeah, that that is uh they played that for quite a long time, that recording. It's good. But before that, I also want to mention that on the beach at the beach party with the popular kids. They're wearing leather jackets and jumpers, and we've clearly heard that it's absolutely boiling on this beach. It's just hilarious that they're wearing leather jackets and jumpers on that beach. Commitment, yeah. commitment to yeah. style, but like, <laughs> a bit like Quincy when he's got that jumper on that ship at the end of his. It's fantasy. so 80s. This movie, yeah, it's so <laughs> 80s. This movie, what they wear, everything about it's the most, one of the most 80s bloody movies that's, that exists for horror. I think. Yeah, and so this is, I, I guess, at this point we escalate fairly quickly. So he takes the tape off the. He takes the tape off the off the guy David. He takes it to his therapist, who we've seen he trusts and everything. He says, "He's a great yeah. actor, that guy. Really good yeah. performance." Yeah. Um, gives him gives him the tape. Says, "Listen to this." And at the time, he's like, "No, like, I can't talk to you at the minute. Please, I'm, I'm in session. Come back another time." And he takes the tape, and when he does come back, he goes, "It's really rude of you to be spying on your mm. on your on your sister like this." And look, it's, it's absolutely... recorded, recorded over it, hasn't it? Yeah. As well, it's been different. recorded over with something yeah. completely innocuous, right? It's, it's like, what, what is your problem here? I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, I, I can dance with anybody. He says, yes, of course you can dance with anybody, and it's it's all perfectly innocent. So he calls David up to say, can you do another copy of the tape? And then he goes to the meeting place, and then, in the first of many times, I think if you can learn anything, listeners, if you find yourself in a society-like situation. Just stay with the person and get the evidence right away. Don't arrange to meet them somewhere later because when you do, they will be dead. Have a backed up copy of the tape in advance. Yeah. Because, yeah, very quickly. I mean, this Wicker Man thing where everyone's clearly in on it, is it plays out very well. Particularly, I think, when that cop shows up, who shows up at the end as well, and that, that cop who doesn't want him to grab that tape recorder is really menacing. I mean, everyone is the psychiatrist, the parents, everyone. But this cop, there's that undercurrent of violence. <laughs> yeah. over this film, where people want to do people serious violent harm. Yeah. And this policeman immediately sets you on edge. And again, it's almost like a counterbalance to what you would expect it. Because again, Bill Whitney the, as a character is from a rich and privileged family. So he isn't from you know, a working class, he isn't someone who, you know, typically it's the type of person who would probably um, seek some kind of favour from the from the police or be seen as someone who was, you know, well in with that, you know, the, the family is 
well known. They're planning to have a party at the, they're having a big party at the judge's house, who is their, you know, a family friend. Uh, the sisters coming out party is very well attended by all of these other characters, but this policeman is instantly quite aggressive to Bill, and it sort of does continue to pin him as this outsider, even when he's from this wealthy family. He's not, he's not one of them. So it's not only him that doesn't feel he belongs. He is clearly like kept at arm's length at this as well. Yes, good point. That that he's kind of the underdog, and <laughs> you know, we we work out at the end that he's not part of this, but it feels like he's central to this society. So the clues come in quite glaringly that he's uh, to be held down and not yeah. not what is going on here. Yeah, and um, you know what though? Maybe we misjudged that. You know the the popular guy, the one who is already raging because it turns out that on the version of the tape that he heard has been selected to be the first person to have sex with his sister. Mm -hmm. um, and you know things have began to escalate already. At this point, he's walked in. We've had that shower scene as well, yeah. where he's been confused where why he sees his sister, and then he is made to look weird because he opens the shower door and she's like, "What are you doing?" Like, um, his girlfriend has. Uh, cross with him because you know and she said maybe we should start seeing other people I mean yeah. unreasonable that he that she's annoyed that he hasn't got an invite to that party probably absolutely fair because he was looking at Clarissa quite intently and she was squirting suntan lotion in his face and he sort of like slack jawed as she walks away yes yeah um, that I mean yeah that, that moment on the beach there's a lot of um angles in this film where people are seen up so so we're underneath them with the camera and they're given this giant form yeah uh, you get that quite a lot in this film because uh, i think society and the power dynamics and everything about it the director really wanted to bring that out and we get that a lot but with clarissa we like her because she really owns her sexuality and is is that kind of um siren in the yeah. film she's really portrayed as this kind of and I was surprised oh, how this yeah. I was surprised how this ultimately turns out for for us I thought it was going to be like you say this is going to be like a a, a wicker man situation I thought she was going to be the the baited trap that would effectively have yeah, him too. come and stuck the at the end yeah I was quite surprised by that because she's actually completely on side with him yeah and I thought she was part of the thing so, she yeah. she is probably one of the people that does turn away from it as we get to the end but I say Ted Ferguson who is like the I say bully but again it's it's not because he is the popular guy he is the one that has been selected by the families to be the first one to copulate with the sister um, and he's the one that they want to party invite to Ted Ferguson um, he does say and at the time you take it that he's taking the piss he goes oh I'll send you a telegram with an invite will I if I, if I get up to anything when um Bill gets home from seeing that uh, that his friend and his sister's ex-boyfriend has died in a car accident. He has put a telegram through, bless him, saying, hey, you are invited to this party. It's this evening. Yeah. You're, very, you're very welcome. Come along. Um, and he does. He goes along. And at that, um, he confronts uh, Ted and says, what's all this about you and my sister then? And he goes, oh, it's absolutely true. He basically owns the fact that yeah, the that's a crazy tape is real. He takes it to 11, yeah. Yeah. 
he's like, oh no, everyone got super horny and they got involved. Uh, well, it's like, wow, he really, like, you think, oh, is he going to play it down? No, he's, no. he's going to own that. And yeah, so, yeah, so you're right. In a world where everything else kind of is conspiring to say, you can't trust what you're perceiving. Like you're imagining these things, you know, we know he's seeing a therapist from the beginning. Maybe these things are imaginary mm. and it's the unraveling of this character. You could recut this movie and change minimal things and have it be about, you know, adolescent trauma and having some kind of breakdown based on the expectations that are placed upon the you. apple was in his head, right? That wasn't yeah. real. Not, and, yeah. Not fitting in, but, um, Bless him, playing against that angle. Ted just goes straight for it, as you say. Oh, no, this is exactly what happened. This is uh, th this is what we do all the time. This is absolutely normal. They get into a, a fight. Bit, that guy, he's, he really plays that part very yeah. well. Yeah, he plays the ultimate. Yeah, the ultimate baddie. And I I think as a as an actor, he gets the, the discomfort of him just right. And I think we've all known people like this uh growing up you know when you'll you'll meet someone who is just a little too physical with you like too soon like you know even when you're having a normal conversation with you they're jostling you or they're like patting you a little bit too hard or and it's like oh and it just gives you such discomfort because you you're already on such alert that even though he's speaking to him in a quite friendly way he's like slapping him in the face and things like this and it's like yeah this oh, is going to become a fight any second and it's such a great 80s trope. You got people like Johnny and Karate Kid. There was this really like testosterone to the max thing going on in a lot of 80s movies. And yeah. this guy, yeah, he's definitely like that. Yeah, he's he's no, definitely he's bringing this in And it's all yeah, friendly. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh come on, you'll be there at the part. Yeah, and it's and you can tell from the you know, the way the actors, both of them, both giving and receiving these, they sell it that there is like this undertone there is like this is you know second only to arnold schwarzenegger meeting up with uh dylan in the forest in predator oh, and they're doing their arm wrestle to see who's yeah, going to yeah, be the yeah. strongest and there's a lot of readings of this film that are super camp super super clear coded uh messages in society of course yeah. all the guys in it and everything else so definitely yeah yeah i mean i guess as we as as we come into this like almost as we get to the end and the and the shunting later on it's less about uh gender and sexuality and that it is purely just a class thing and they see themselves as as one, you know, those yeah. are the binary things there are members of the society and those who are not right but uh exactly so it doesn't really the sexuality becomes something completely different in that context or it's just like in whatever way we can deprave yeah. this underclass we will yeah, um, yeah. It's but, kind of so they they have a confrontation as they get out of the thing. Clarissa um, says, "Oh, do you want to come back to? Do you want to come back to mine?" Um, yeah. She does. She does drive off. I mean, there are two things disturbing about this one. Uh, we'll we'll cover them individually. One we already mentioned it during the sex scene, which. Good work on whoever the intimacy coordinator on that one was, because they are sat on top of the covers, and uh, it's not a porno. It's uh, they, I think they do it. Well, very... 80s, yeah. When, they, when they, they hide anything, 
they do it very well. They position things very well in the fact that, you know, we don't have to have a really awkward, he has clearly still got his pants on bit of filming. Um, yeah. But yeah, it is. It's, it's a not, well done sex scene. Yeah. The lighting's it, good. It is, it is very well done. Um, and then we have the creepy moment where her hand comes in from a, a strange angle and he like very falls good. out of bed. Like, is that his hand? Has he put his hand around her? Oh no, that's got nail varnish on it. So that's her. What the fuck? So I was like, is there really a third creepy. person? Like, is because it's yeah, yeah, yeah. That threw me. I had to kind of rewind that to kind of work out what was going on. Not for any other. It was just rewinding yeah. that scene. Sort of, better watch this scene again. I'm on a podcast about this later. I've got to do my research. Sorry. Find out about the nail varnish. Yeah, don't <laughs> come in. But <laughs> she's lighting. Yeah. Get this boy to a therapist. Yeah. Um, and that's very good. But I'll tell you, she has, as you know, the best line in the whole movie. And you, do you know what the line is? Go on, please. Slightly after. So they, they do their, their thing. And she makes him a cup of tea. Oh, yes. And she says, would you like... Let me see what she says. She says, would you like... Where is it? Is it like what? cream, sugar, cream, and then... Sugar. Or should I just pee in it? <laughs> what did she just say? Another moment where you kind of rewind it. Go, what? What? And he just kind of goes, "Oh, that's just her uh, with her vibe." And <laughs> and it's like, "Oh, you're <laughs> weird." <laughs> She's great. What? What a crazy girl. And um, it's not what I expected as well because she is played in the opening scene where she's throwing him off at the at the debate as yeah. that she is completely on side with. Um, with with Ted and his gang because he's friends with the uh, with uh, Milo who is the nerd he's up against. She yeah. is she's with that crowd, and she's clearly there trying to either seduce him or or put him off and tempt him away from his girlfriend and the, the friends that he has already. Because uh, mm. even at the party when he's dancing with Clarissa, his best friend comes over and he's like, "I'll oh, get out of here, man! Like, why do you have to do that?" Because he basically says that she's turning tricks. Um, yeah, 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 like so. He's... To her mum, who we'll get on to. Her yeah, that was the other weird thing. She walked to... in from a trauma film. I don't quite know where, where that she walked yeah. in from a trauma film into this one. Her, she... The the mom is like, and she's been in it a couple of times because he bumped into it at the beach as well. <laughs> so a um, the that's a different film though. She is from a different. Yeah, film. the mother. You are right. She is from a trauma film. I guess depending on your era what would i describe uh clarissa's what? mother as yeah, that's if... a tricky one isn't it she's almost like something from um the well, she's like, yeah she's like a for want of a better term she's a bit like a frankenstein she doesn't really talk apart from Rocky low yeah her. she yeah. she collects hair coughs it up yeah, she coughs up a bit of hair and gives it to him like as she as he comes in the like he's jumped up being caught sitting drinking tea in his underwear in their living room with her daughter and she coughs yeah. up some hair and gives it to him she's um, quite a bizarre character and i really do wonder if there are deleted scenes or the original script because it does feel like she's walked in from another film it really does feel like that to me yeah it is it is so strange and i'm not saying i dislike it because i kind of like, like it. it makes it madder but i just don't get it and i know? love i love her functionality as a character later on which is just to beat up a policeman um <laughs> and yeah she 
and wow, she does it. She knocks him out. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but it's but it is wild. It's like that she is a yeah, like she is some combination well, of yeah. Herman Munster, sloth from the Goonies, yeah. and yeah. like you know, like a big, powerful, slightly well, menacing because... character who is. Let's find out about good. her. She's, he's interesting. What, what else has she been? <laughs> Yeah, let's have a look here. So what is her name? So Clarissa Clarin is her name. So Mrs. Clarin, Pamela Matheson is her name. And she is in... Yes. Yeah, she is in uh, this. She's she's a star of three films. Mm -hmm. Um, She's in Society, Father of the Bride, and Police Academy 2. She... Okay. So not a trauma film amongst it. The Mum in Father of the Bride, one of the mothers, I think. So I know that film quite well. Police Academy 2, um, we worked with Steve Gutenberg on the Heckle Legend. They're doing a new Police Academy, as you're probably aware. Are they? With him in it, which is going to be great. That's the other news that's out, 80s retro news. Um, wow. So, yeah. yeah, only in those three films, but what a fabulous character actor. I could have seen her across like a horror multiverse at this point. I just she'd have been in loads of stuff, just weird yeah. little characters. But it, it, yeah, it just felt like the inclusion of this character, you know, I was assuming that I would read into this and it'd say, oh, she is, a, you know, she plays famously a character like this and it's a homage to something that the director or the writer really loved and she was in this or she always plays this very role like if this was a trauma production she would basically be this in every single film and you know she would just appear everywhere regardless of the setting regardless of the continuity really? as this character i mean i love that she's in it i do think it's a mistake though because i think it breaks the tone so i think that it's to get to the chanting you've got to be in reality for a long time and then for that to be so so i think that she comes in and it becomes something else because she's clearly so strange that it breaks the two worlds which were about to combine. Yeah, and I guess um, I guess there's another outsider it's character. I actually love it, but yes, we're yeah. yeah, another outsider character. She becomes almost a natural ally to them because she's not clearly aligned with mm-hmm. the with the society. I'm sure. Well, she'd probably go if she she if she knew about that night at the shunting, she'd probably be down for it. Yeah, get, get collecting up. Maybe that's part of it as well because later on we see him. You know, we see sort of taking things from people's bodies that she wants. Maybe she is like a almost a defunct or a dysfunctional member of that society, which is why she's collecting people's hair and is like. So maybe she's just. One of them that has founder of it who just lost her mind because she's gone, yeah, yeah, she's gone wrong. Um, so we have, um, the day after the party, um, well, uh, Billy's existing girlfriend, she is pulled up outside the house. We already mentioned earlier, she sees that she's that he's clearly stayed over at Chris's house, his Jeep is outside the house there, and her friend saw her at the party and basically reported it to him. She's very upset, and then. You may you mentioned deleted scenes. Maybe this is another deleted scene where they have mm. some sort of fate or reoccur later on. But as far as yeah. I'm concerned, this is she. She goes. She, this is her gone. This leaves. Yeah, you're right. And I, I forgot because I she doesn't appear anywhere near the ending of the film now. Yeah. And I feel like she she's we we almost have like a bit of threat. They they're watching the house and just wait a minute. Who's that? And they go. And then that's when we get the reveal. It's the mom has come back. 
yeah. the big hair collecting mom. <laughs> um, and she just scared them off, I guess. Unless, I, yeah. Well, the they hair. were so scared when she turns up. They said, "Oh, who's that? We'd better get out of here." Seemed like a little bit of an overreaction to what is clearly <laughs> just a slightly ill older lady. But but they they got out of there fast. And, unless the unless the takeaway meant to happen that because it is very strange that the mother comes in and then coughs up some hair that she gives to Bill. Maybe you're right. Maybe there is. Maybe she was the founding member of society. They knew that. They said, let's get out of here because this mad woman is behind quick, the whole thing. Either that or quick, get your time codes back up. Is it blonde hair that could be the girlfriend that she sticks up? Has she eaten them? Has she eaten them? Has she shunted them and just very quickly and, and is... Is that interesting? Regurgitating their hair. I'm going to have to hit the video essays on this afterwards. Yeah, send in your theories, everyone listening. What is the deal with Clarissa's mom in uh, in this film? There's a comic book, Andy, with the DVD that came out from Arrow that expands on the mythology of the shunting. Oh, I've got it. Have I still got that? Um, it's really good. There's a whole comic about this film, and it expands on all the mythology. See, we're going to have to expand this, and if and if the full explanation for Clarissa's mother doesn't exist, then we can pitch them another one that needs to be answered once and for all. The further adventures of Clarissa's mom. All this has happened. The current, the previous girlfriend has noped her way out of the film. Um, we go now to um, the former boyfriend's um, funeral, and mm. we yeah. we we. He goes there and they begin to suspect uh, Milo, his friend. Uh, so mm. that isn't the nerd. So Milo is uh, just, his, just his mate. And he they discover this guy might be uh, a fake because he has a little beauty spot on his cheek and they go to touch it mm. and the face just collapses in like plaster of Paris. Yeah, it's pretty grim. And they, he has lipstick on as well. I don't quite know what they've done with that fake version of him, but They've yeah, they certainly... they kind of allude to the fact that oh maybe they had to do lots of reconstructive surgery because the car was a complete wreck, but at that point this is when the actual nerd Martin, who is his rival for the presidency, mm-hmm. he turns up and goes, no, there's actually something going on, and again for the second time in this movie they make a mistake. You just just tell me now, actually, like we're in quite a secluded space. We're at a funeral. Just whisper to me what's going on. He goes, no. Meet me at the quarry at midnight. Yeah. And you think, oh, he's going to kill him there then? This is a setup, you think, on yeah. that, you know, when they do that. But um, he, he, uh, he, he goes to meet him and finds him basically in his car, throat slit, menacing policeman turns up again. Well, he goes and gets, he runs back to Clarissa's house and says, you've got to come. Um, uh, he's had, uh, Martin has had his throat slashed. He goes, oh, I hope he hasn't made a mess. Because um, she's very flippant with these things, and obviously we know that she knows what's going yeah. on at this point. But um... she's very loyal, though. She turns up in the middle of the night, and that's a very Hammer Horror forest suddenly, with lots of smoke in it. Again, a bit like the mum. There's just a few moments in this film where it goes into being something else. Um, but yeah, that's that bit goes on for quite a while. It's quite a strange part of the film that. Yeah, and the policeman's there and is menacing again. He says, look, next time we meet, we're going to have a problem. 
Yeah, he's even nastier, yeah. that one. He basically confirms, like, next time we meet, regardless of the circumstances, I'm going to be trying to get you. Um, I'm going to turn you inside out, boy. And do yeah, the, yeah, the body is gone. There is no evidence this guy has been has been killed. And then the fact, when he tries to tell everyone at school, and at this point, things are getting creepier. He tells his parents, who are kind of sitting in lingerie on the bed with his sister, who are having a lovely time. It's, that is the most insane moment. <laughs> is, is this where he calls his dad a uh, a butthead? I think he's uh, seeds that. Yeah, yeah. He, he kind that. of says, "said Oh, come and have a." You know, they're they're sitting on the bed like grooming his sister and saying, I'm "Having a lovely time." What's so, well, Do you want to? Uh, aren't you a strapping young man? Do you want to? She's like, "Uh, no, gross." Uh, <laughs> don't you talk to your mother like that? He goes, "Oh, I'll, I'll talk to her how I want." Oh, that is it. It's just, "Oh." I ain't fucking doing this. That's fucking disgusting. Don't use the F word to your mother. He goes, all right, yeah, yeah. butthead. He goes, like, even ruder. Yeah. <laughs> but that's another great character moment from the dad. When he has gone too far, apparently, the dad, the way he moves towards the door as though to attack him, this undercurrent of venom and violence, just watch how that actor does that yeah. as he moves him towards the door. Genius. And it's almost like you are approaching the person, but you almost feel like he's going to reach past and just get between him and the door. It's very, like you say, very, very good movement on it's that on that sense. Moment, yeah. Um, he he goes back. He goes back to the school the next day, and he tries to warn everyone at school who are really escalating and coming unravelled at this point. Yeah. He goes back to try and warn everyone at the school, and he goes, "Oh." Uh, Martin's not going to be here because he's dead and they've covered it up and then he turns up and goes, what are you talking about? I'm dead, I had car trouble. Yeah, that's a that's a crazy moment. He, he references his neck with the cut and everything because I got a bit confused. I thought Martin was genuinely trying to help him and then I wasn't quite sure what that was all about. But I guess Martin did that just to make him look bad. Yeah, or... I don't know. I was getting because at this point, again, not knowing the ending, I was getting body snatchers vibes in yeah, this one. Can sure. they? Yeah, it looked like they've taken him over. Yeah. Yeah. Or can they replace? Can they take people over? Or can they replace them? Like, can, you know, can you get rid of a normal person and then just replace them with? If these people can change their shapes, can't they? So yeah, it had that kind of vibe, very much like when when even Billy Bill comes out of the hospital. We'll get onto this later. He seems like a completely different person. Yeah, I thought that yeah. I I thought that he'd been replaced, and then we were going to have two like original and copy Bill at some point. We don't get that, but yeah, he um, he's so different in that moment. But anyway. yeah, so I mean that comes up pretty soon. So he, he runs back, confronts family again, and he's basically planning to kill his family right he's waiting for them to come in with a knife a bit like the knife he had at the beginning of the film but he's green becomes the scene yeah that's yeah. smart for the structure yeah. so he's there he has a knife he's getting ready for his mom and dad to come in and as they step in he gets kept, caught by a couple of people mm. um oh no this is when he talks to them and they inject him the, the bit with the knife comes that's a bit later when there's when yeah, they were yeah. the dog catching equipment, but so that's later, isn't it? That's a crazy thing with the dog catching him. You know, they take him to the hospital, don't they? Now, yeah, um, they take him to the hospital, and he he's there. Um, Milo follows them to the hospital, and they say, "Oh no, he's dead." What are you talking about? He he died. <laughs> I'm afraid. It's a what the fuck. The hospital is one of my favorite bits because when he's in that bed, it's always quite creepy. If you're on drugs in a hospital, I'm thinking back to when I was a kid. 
I hate hospitals, generally, I hate them. They're really scary. But when he sees all those shadows behind that curtain moving someone's body out, I'm not quite sure whose body that is, but just that sinister hospital moment of silhouettes behind that curtain, I think that's one of the best bits of the film. Is a really creepy yeah. bit. And he can't get there soon enough and he pulls it down, but they're already they're already they're all gone. All You're gone. Like, oh, is that in his head then? What were they there? But whose body do you think they were taking out? Is that uh, his mate who turns up at the shunting later? Yes. My first yeah, susp- my first suspicion was have they got Milo? Yeah. Um have they got Milo? And then I had a moment where I thought later before the friend who has had his death faked, uh comes back in then i then i also thought like um is this where we're going to see two bills so was the word like my thought was yeah is the version that's woken up in the hospital is that the one and he's been copied or is that actually the copy but he doesn't know uh that he is a member of the society just yet and he's going to meet the original right, no idea kind of vibe to it that scene yeah i thought there was going to be some doubling going on I do, but it's it's not. We get there, and then you're right. He, <laughs> Bill, as he's almost. I I had taken it that maybe things had gone wrong, or maybe he was on board with this all of a sudden. Maybe they'd done something to him in the hospital. But he walks out. My love is fine. He's outside, and he yeah. goes, "This is a setup. Your car is even here. Why would like?" That is quite a confusing bit of the film. I don't quite know why they didn't just catch him then and they took him to the hospital i'm not quite sure about all this bit <laughs> is, it, is it because they need to wait for everyone to come round and get the get everything ready got to put dips out to take him to a whole hospital and, and they got an ambulance really fast and all this stuff wouldn't they just drug him in the cabinet get one round wake him up but no i mean it's a cool moment but it is a bit i guess it's weird. like society in the coming out party when we heard the tape recording earlier, you're supposed to have dinner first so maybe they'd have maybe they're having the formal bit of the dinner right, right. Yeah, yeah. You, mean, you don't want someone shouting upstairs ruining the atmos oh, while you're trying to have a, a lovely dinner chuck him in hospital for a minute <laughs> yeah, get him in hospital for a bit so he can come back but why does his he... car go there then why, why has his car been taken there? well this is why milo milo kind of tries to point it out to him saying this is a setup they have left your car here. Yeah. Uh, they've they've left your they've left your car here. He first goes to Clarissa's house and goes, "What's going on with this?" And she goes, and Clarissa at this point says, "Don't go back to your mom and dad's." She tries yeah. to warn him as well. She yeah, says, yeah. "Don't go back," but he says he's going to. He drives off. Milo. Uh, you get, he also he, says he also says brilliantly, "What are you doing here?" She says, "Well, I live here." Mad <laughs> 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 moment. It's so good. Reserved, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, he 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 goes back. Uh, Milo comes up with his own save the day plan. He gathers up Clarissa's mom and follows in their car to try and. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll see. He tries to rescue him. He arrives. He finds that it's a large formal party, um, and they they this when he cap they get captured. He gets caught. Literally like well, a stray dog. Final this is the movie that everyone's waiting for, isn't yeah. it? You get caught with what is that giant dog collar thing? Yeah, it's basically like a like a noose that you would use to capture a stray dangerous dog, right? So it's a hard. <laughs> yeah. So it's basically like a stiff pole. Yeah. Um, that you can use to capture a dog around its neck, and then that means because the pole is hard, you can hold that dog or whatever animal at a certain distance away. It cannot get close and get you. Yeah. 
so that's they, a bizarre moment in a horror film when they when they use that on him. That's yeah, really, that's and it's a it's a it's a wonder actually you don't see it because it's so dehumanizing his name because you're so used to seeing it as a a method of animal control, right? Mm. So it's incredibly effective at showing that they consider him a lesser creature, a lesser being, and they're really taking away his autonomy and his humanity there by pinning him to the floor like he's an animal. Um, and, th- and he's screaming, and this is when like everyone's there, the everyone's in on it. The doctor comes to do a big round, does a big round of applause, says, congratulations, everyone, you played your roles absolutely brilliantly, and now I'm here to produ- introduce you to your keynote speaker for this evening. It's the judge, and the judge comes down with his... And what know, an actor this guy is. Yeah. He is a gruesome piece of work. You just think he could be on a number of politicians. And yep. He's he got could. a cigar-chomping vibe about him. There's a bit Giuliani, you can imagine that. Yeah, there's a, there's a Giuliani about him. There's a... It's, you know, it's a... It's obviously American. You could do a fabulous... Um, you know, with especially with the society and the class system that we have in this country, this film doesn't need a remake. It's absolutely fine as it is. It's, I would take it, as an interesting yeah. side experiment. I would take a British set follow-on to this film. It feels so British, though, doesn't it? Like you yeah. said, um, the the boating song, Eton boating song, the fact it did so well in Europe. Yeah, <laughs> the, the the class stuff, which is normally a British thing. Like faulty towers and stuff doesn't translate so well because Americans aren't so concerned with class all the time. It's more of a, a UK thing. So yeah. I think that's why it maybe didn't do so well in America. Yeah, maybe, America. maybe a, like you know, like I say, this film doesn't require it remade. It's it's, it's fabulous oh, as it I'm, is. But can you imagine the remake of this? It would be such a letdown. Yeah. Oh, oh I, I think I think in the right hands. I mean, you know, maybe with the. Who would re- who would do the remake of this and actually nail it? Who Joe Lynch could could give it a go? Yeah, um, I think Joe Lynch would be a fabulous choice for for a remake of this. Human centipede director. Could give it a go. Yeah, let me think. Who else does really good? Like body horror. I mean, Crow. If you heard Cronenberg, if you heard his son who did Brandon Cronenberg, yeah, cool. a like Brandon Cronenberg British set society movie. Yeah, all the Soskers. I I. I think they've nailed yeah. it. Yeah, I think they um they should do. get more recognition than they do. Like their remake of Rabbit, really, really like really, really interesting and do some good work with the effects stuff in it. Yeah, I haven't seen their I know site divergence will come back, but their film on the edge at Frightfest, I missed that one, their most recent one, but I bet it's really good. I haven't caught that. I've seen them and quite enjoyed American Mary as well. I didn't think I was gonna do it half good. as much as I did. I love American. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, and really disturbing body horror stuff in that as well. So maybe they are the people for it. Well, let them know. Um, yeah, they'd be great. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, don't we don't want to put off the shunting. So he's been captured. Uh, they do a big speech and they basically reveal what's what's going on. Um, and the, the ex-boyfriend um, of his sister from earlier on, he comes up with a like a pillowcase or a, or like some kind of bag over his head and it's revealed that it's him his original death was faked and they explain there is going to be 
It's a big event for everyone tonight. Strap in, everybody. It's not one, but two shuntings. First, I mean, we're going to have this guy. What's going to happen to you? What's your mate? <laughs> yeah, gross. this is going to happen to your mate, and then it's going to happen to 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 you. Um, and Bill makes the same, and I love this, how this isn't, it's never made entirely explicit as to what they are, which I really think leans really happily and really well into the metaphor of this movie. Mm-hmm. As soon as they talk about what's going to happen to him, mm-hmm. um, and he goes, oh, we're, you're not like us. You're not even, you are an entirely different species mm-hmm. to us. And Bill makes the route one jump of this where he goes, you fucking space aliens, you piece of shit. He goes, oh, no, yeah, we're not. Yeah, that's right. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, he says it twice, yeah. Yeah, he goes, you you rotten space aliens. And he pointed, no, no. And obviously this is a leap that he can make because he's seen the unusual physiology. He's been witnessing the weird ways that people move and the way that people are perceived. Like he he has seen this. So yeah. it doesn't take a big stretch from to say like they aren't human. He knows what he is. And, you know, yeah. I wouldn't have been surprised then. Like, again, I didn't know this was coming. If it had been that this was a human guy who was in a world of aliens and he was an experiment or an odd one out or you know the victim of an abduction i wouldn't have been like oh i like i would have been surprised but i wouldn't have been like completely unrealistic thrown out doesn't fit with the rest of the movie it would have made sense a real twilight zone carpet pull ending but they don't for the service of the metaphor here they kind of say oh no we are you know we're not from space we have been here as long as you have we're just different. And I, I think they go so far as to saying, like, this is about society. This is about class. And, you know, yeah. you can, I guess, and I'd love to hear what you think of this. Do you take from that they are actually a physically divergent race from humans it's on the planet? Crazy. Like the lizard people that you get that people say the royal family are and so well, on. I was, that's what came to mind, this whole the Queen's really a lizard. Um, there is something I haven't really thought about that too deeply it's very key that when they're turning into hands and people are being turned inside out and they're, they've got these sucky it's like Salvador Dali inspired yeah inspired Cronenberg inspired you have to kind of pause that scene every five seconds actually to see what weirdness is going on and to just take it in which is what viewers at the cinema must have done they would have been like, what the fuck? It's almost like a brain overload because there's so many weird things going on at once. So I was trying to get a handle on it. I think that they are monsters to some degree, lizard people, whatever, higher. Uh, but I think it's an open question. I don't think it is explained at all. Yeah. And it's one of its big powers to not just write it off. We're like, you know, there's that moment when there's like a... <laughs> Yeah, explain it. Like a an open sucky mouth thing with a hand sticking out of it, and they're pouring champagne into it to feed it drinks. Yeah, these are clearly like not well. It can be aliens. They're clearly monstrous. But the genesis of that, and that's why I want to find that comic book. The the lore of that is fascinating, and you're not given it. You're not really given it at all. Oh, so I'm gonna have to really seek this out and see if I can find a. A copy, um, whether I have to find yeah. one or whether it's available digitally these days. So I'd see if we can find this. But 
Yeah. Yeah. So the 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 all famous shunting begins, and uh, the sister's ex boyfriend is basically set upon by loads of these people of different, um, you know, different ages, different genders. I mean, notably leads into the metaphor of this room, all all white uh, characters that all set upon this this young man and uh basically it is semi-sexual semi-violent semi-cannibalistic they you know he, he clearly semi everything it's just i mean my god cannibalism for sure because um... he, he does appear to be consumed as part of it and the best way i can describe it for someone who hasn't seen this and you know, may not go and see it. I mean, I would recommend you do, even if you just watch this this scene. It's almost like if you were to have figures made of plasticine, uh, and then you were to you were playing action figures with them, and then you were to smush them together, or if you had your action figures and they were a bit melted, you'd put them in the microwave and they had, you know, their their structure had become unstable. So they can mm. move, but as soon as you smash them together in this state, they become almost forever merged. And you see mouths linked to this uh, to this man's flesh, and they're stretching away like they are one and the same now. They have been merged together. Brilliant visual effects. If you look at this very annoying, um, I think, some of the VFX that come out now, you know you're in a movie that it just doesn't work. I don't like them particularly. I think... A lot of the visual effects and the brilliant screaming Mad George, who did Nightmare on Elm Street 4 and uh, Reanimator, Bride of Reanimator for sure. I don't know if he did the first one. But that is so creative, so good. I think that's why we like these 80s movies and VHS movies so much. The care and attention that's gone into that, it really is. We called it rubber horror, rubber reality horror, yeah. whatever at the time. And, and it is. That. It's far less uncanny than... Than a, than a digital thing that costs millions, right? It just works so much better. And yeah. it's sticky and gooey and nasty. Very Cronenberg. I'd say it's got links to things like The Fly and Dead Ringers particularly. There's a dream sequence. Have you seen Dead Ringers, Andy? Do you know that one? You know, I, I'm aware of it, but I haven't seen it. It's certainly not for really good. memorable There's eras. Twins, both played by Jeremy Irons. Great okay. And there's a dream sequence they're connected and connected to the woman that they're sleeping with in one very society-like moment where it feels like it could be something that's going on in that shunting room in a corner. My God, there's a moment in the shunting where the camera becomes, I'm colorblind, but I think it goes very red for a moment. Yeah, it's exceptionally red, this entire scene. And in that ditch, the guy with the cigar comes out and a naked woman and a naked guy, and I guess they were eating someone down there. Oh, yeah, what were they doing down there? That is so screwed yeah. up. Yeah, and it is just like it's an uninhibited, just a mass of of bodies and flesh, and it's ooze and it's slimy, and these bodies all sort of become an amorphous yeah. blob. And again, there are things that you would that would reference this later on. Um, James Gunn Slither, for example, where yes. people are just become like a mass of flesh, like a singular unit, or Take what? Four, where the body's got all the pizza faces in it or whatever pressing yeah. definitely screaming mad george again doing the brilliant japanese um based 
visual, um, one of, um, what are we calling it? Uh, the practical effects guy at the yeah. time was quite famous for the, for his work there. Um, but, phenomenal yeah, stuff. And all these, I mean, what is that? <laughs> and all these bodies are moved. Yeah, like I don't know where you begin to storyboard or begin planning what this looks like, but he is basically ultimately killed. The judge character comes up and explains to him that this is what's going to happen and basically yeah um i mean for the want of a more delicate term shoves a fist up his ass and glove puppets the poor guy right like he <laughs> like gets Wait, his hand inside him and his and his face and like the fingers are coming out from his face and the eyes are popping out and people are eating them it's so grim when you when you look at a lot of modern horror i think it it becomes quite the same a lot of it on Netflix, it plays it very safe. And where we said earlier, you know, Brian Usner wanted to really take things as far as they could go. I think I'm amazed that it's got like 40% of rotten tomatoes and stuff, not 70 or 80, because it's so creative. It's yeah. so out there. I just yeah. don't get that. Just the iconic visuals of this of this last scene, you think even if the beginnings and the paranoia didn't carry you all that way you think just the extremity of this final moment would really yeah yeah just for just for impact alone so blanchard the ex-boyfriend he is absolutely dead at this point um Mm. clarissa though has already started uh like things are in motion to give bill a chance to uh to try and escape uh clarissa has already basically like you know and, and the 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 baddies kind of taunt her oh have you started falling for this guy have you, you think there's something to it uh but she basically lets lets the chain go she's left holding the chain and pinning him down she undoes him and says go escape um the the doctor character who now has like a slit mouth um, yeah, he's become like the Joker or something. Yeah, he has like a yeah, like a big sort of Chelsea grin, I guess, like uh, yeah. across his face, like his mouth has been split, and he's chasing him through the house. He chases him upstairs, and we find the the maddest scene in film history. Yeah, yeah the, pa- <laughs> the, the the parents. Well, the mother is in the bed, and you know, because they they snuck off during the orgy to have yeah. like some. Of the creepiest family time ever dedicated to cinema. Um, the mother is sitting in the bed at first, like she's entirely yeah. normal. So she's from the, the waist. So the but waist her, down in the her bed. Her legs are arms though, aren't they? Yes. So and then she gets out of the bed, it reveals her legs are arms, big like muscular arms. She walks across the floor yeah. and then from under the dress or the robe that she's wearing. The sister's head comes from what so would be the crotch area. Is she inside her then? I mean, yeah. where, that's bloody mad, isn't it? I mean, again, the creativity and nightmarescape and Dali of all that is yeah. mad. It's absolutely... And I mean, we... scary puppets. So they cut to a puppet at one point. There's this one moment when she gets out of the bed and it's not the mum. They have this weird little puppet thing. I swear, I think I've got that right. Rewatch that moment that really freaks you out before it becomes the actual actress again. Yeah, and it is. Like there's a stop motion, almost Harry Howes-esque, you know, with the puppet. with the yeah. walking along there. And then yeah, the sister's face comes out from what would be the crotch and says, oh, neat edible things going on again. Nice fun little line. 
Yeah, um, any, any fantasies now's the time. The, the, <laughs> yeah. The writing is good here. Yeah, it's funny. Like, I, I love it when a horror film doesn't yeah. mind being funny because stuff can be funny. Like, people are funny in all kinds of situations. Throw that stuff in there. Uh, and then, again, at first, are we going to see the dad amalgamated into this as well? But no, we see him. He's basically under a sheet and he's just a big old butthead. Have you seen that ever before, that image? Or I'd, that I'd seen it. Yeah, I had seen it. Unfortunately, it spoils me. Crazy visual. And it's actually so funny that the film takes a moment away from the darkness just with that bit, not with the bit with the mum there. That's terrifying. I think with the dad, it's so cartoon yeah. and crazy. As a and he's like blowing raspberries and, you know, his face is where someone's arsehole would be. And exactly. he's like, like, and he's <laughs> blowing raspberries there and he's laughing. He's having a whale of a time. So these, these creatures, like, whether you can... Film? The creativity levels here are, yeah. are jacked up to the max. And it's you mad. can look at how many of these things we are still seeing echoes of decades on. Like mm. I would say, arguably, what, 20 years after this was uh, made, oh, it's going to make me depressed, it's not that long ago, is it? Like, um, look at the Al Pacino, the devil's advocate, where he is, uh, you know, he, the devil, is sleeping with some women in bed and he merges a mother and daughter together into one... That's right, yeah. ...into, into one person. Um, mm. Look at men from a couple of years ago, right? The sort of body yeah. shifting and... Um, you know, multiple entities within one individual body that appear, Didn't appear in that, that as well. But I know that divided people a lot. Uh, yeah. You like that one? Yeah, I, I, I like found it. I like a lot of the film. I like her. I think she's amazing. I just thought the ending was didn't quite buy that. Yeah, one. uncomfortable, an uncomfortable watch and physically a grotesque mm. effect that we can see echoed from this though. So yeah, he basically runs back out of the room, disturbed by what he's seen, is captured by the doctor again, who takes him back downstairs. Um the the other guy, the ex-boyfriend, has been eaten all up by now. So now it's time for the second shunting. And this this Ted character mm. um is is basically the champion they've chosen. Um maybe because he's not tied down like the other guy was, there is some kind of or there's some kind of showmanship about this. He's gonna make him fight him. Um mm. And he's completely outclassed. The guy has beyond human strength. He is like knocking him across a room. He's like picking him up by one hand and throwing him. Yeah. Um, and, and it looks like there looks like it's over. Milo, however, has um, using his assistant, uh, Clarissa's mom. She's got him to beat her to beat up the policeman, and he's hiding there in the policeman's uniform. And this guy is just. I feel like any plan that you walked into the house would, would be out of the window once you saw what actually was happening, unless you're going to rip you're a gas main off the wall. <laughs> yeah. You're out of your depth, yeah. yeah. Um, so, and then he is kind of set upon as well, but he's pushed towards the middle uh, as well, and this, uh, and Bill is being like beaten quite badly, and yeah. then he, it looks like it's coup de grace time. Uh, he goes in and he plants a kiss on his yeah. on his lips and we've seen this happening i guess this um you know it's it's framed and it's positioned as it's going to be a kiss but we've seen what's what's happened here we assume that what happens is he's going to start absorbing him and sucking the nutrients out of him and they, they even said it when the previous guy was being in like oh this society's been like 
draining the shit out of out of poor suckers like you for generations and things. And they're gonna they're gonna take him as well. But Bill has one final move up his sleeve, which is uh, a classic nut punch, uh, but the best one in history, where he basically reaches through this guy and pulls yeah. him inside out. It's disgusting. It's yeah. one of the most amazing out there effects ever. It's yeah. mad that somebody gets turned inside out in this film. He gets Again, turned really inside out. Brilliant. And then, I mean, it's played lower than this because once they've def- once they've defeated this champion, obviously there is a there is a room full of these creatures. There is an entire house full, and there is basically Bill, Milo, and Clarissa, who has, you know, has taken sides with them and is standing alongside them. There's the three of them against this entire house full of people. They mm-hmm. could, and we've seen it happen previously, they could just fall upon these guys and tear them apart, right? They're not, they aren't action heroes. They're not, you know, they're not superhumanly strong. They haven't gained any powers from this. They they are vulnerable in this situation. But having defeated kind of their champion and turned him inside out, there isn't really a huge attempt to stop them. The dad character turns back up and says, you won't get away with this. And I think Bill's final interaction was like, watch me. He beats his dad up. He knocks him out against the wall. He just punches him and sends him away, which is, again, I guess, the guy who is his dad who has raised him and he's rejecting those things. And then they get in the car. There's valets outside parking people's cars. It's broad daylight, by the way, now. I'm not sure if it's become Yeah, I know. That, that, that went on all night, all that horror, horror in the orgy. That was an all-night shunting. And then they 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 drive away. Um, yeah. Just a quick side note before we get to the very end. A lot of people, um, the logic of having brought Bill up for this day every single year pretending to be his family is a tricky one if you look into that enough it's like wow really it's a lot of hard work for this one guy at this one event to then be you know part of this this thing in this way but I think of course if we don't mind we just buy into it but if you think about the kind of behind the scenes there from day dot every year when he was five ten fifteen how they were acting (laughs) the whole way to now is all the things they've gone through Guess this mm. is how Christmas tree farmers feel. Spend all this time raising something just for one one celebration once it's reached maturity. That's it. <laughs> You're right. they, they, all, they all escape into the sunlight. Um, I love the very ending when we go back. But what happens with them? They go, do they just drive off somewhere? What, what yeah, do so they, they do? We, we don't see anything that happens to them. They basically just get into the car, the three of them, Clarissa, mm. uh, Milo, and Bill. They don't take his mom with them, as far as I'm aware. Bless her. But she didn't go inside the shunting. She was just she just beat up the policeman and then was very alarmed that he didn't have hair, but he had a wig. She'll be all right. Yeah, she'll, she'll be all right. Back into the trauma set, and they'll say, "Where have you been?" <laughs> yeah, quick. Your scene's yeah. coming up. Um. So yeah, they drive off, and then we go back in there. And earlier we didn't cover this, but the. Ted, kind of the champion guy who has now been turned inside out, the judge had said, oh, I think there's a there's a position for you in, in Washington this summer, an internship. And he's like, yeah. And he, you know, we're setting this guy up to be 
part of the ruling political classes that we yeah, uh, yeah. that we experience in actual life. And we end with a little joke. You know, they can see the light of it at least. You know, they've their plans have been ruined, but they're quite philosophical about it. He turns to someone else and says, "Oh, looks like I might have an opening in Washington after all, if you know what I mean." It's a brilliant ending with that, the way he turns to this cigar and says that, because they're all so relaxed. Nothing is going to change. They're not going to get caught. They're going to have this event. I mean, they had to groom him for a long time, so that's gone wrong. But their twice a month fucked up meetup will carry on. Yeah. Um, Political reign will continue. So they're always so relaxed in moments of conflict, these characters. Like, yeah, for them, like their their plan hasn't crumbled. It's the same as you or I having a barbecue rained off, but you still end up ordering a pizza. That's fine, isn't it? You're all right. You're a bit disappointed. It wasn't what you planned, but ultimately you're all right. So good. And just that end line and they cut to black. He's with his cigar. Even like the movement, he just looks and looks back. And then we have that creepy song again, I believe. Yeah. It plays it does. Out in the One of the one of the few examples where you know quite often we're all busy right we don't sit and watch we don't sit and necessarily sit watch all of the credits but i sat and watched them all the way through with the with the music so good did your, did your partner see any of this film <laughs> no no she didn't watch she was off uh it's working, quite one so. to walk in on. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, yeah like, this is one of those times so what are you watching you would just say up oh, porn <laughs> so, yeah, i mean that's very, how, very that, like that is that would be less difficult to explain than than what I am actually <laughs> watching. Would. I, I think that this movie, I, I I like endings that really just cut off at the right point. I think sometimes you got endings that are fake endings they just keep going, and oh my god, there's this big third act. And I really like movies where they just kind of end, and you want more. I think you want more from this movie. I think this movie actually should be an hour and a half it's an hour and 40 minutes and i think the bit in the middle where the guy's meant to be being dead in his car in the smoky woods could cut 10 minutes off the film i think yeah. that was a bit padded yeah. but this is a brilliant film what yeah. do you think what, what do you think of this film do you love this? yeah scoring uh my first watch i feel i need to watch it again um yeah in, fair- more every time. in fairly yeah. short order i need to see- seek out this comic as well but um yeah yeah. phenomenally interesting i'm a bit like you say as well i don't i don't need people to prometheus my mythology for me i i yeah. like it i i like not knowing everything about a thing i think a thing become remains more terrifying and more interesting with a commitment to me never knowing every in and out about it. i don't need to understand it it's weird it's like halloween the original halloween we don't really know much about him in rob zombies one obviously it's meant to be a whole thing about the mythology of him i do think that's why the first one is scarier yeah because we just don't know why michael's doing a lot of this stuff yeah I, I want it to be surreal and i like being able to come away with different ways you could interpret it do you want to say to yourself these are strange creatures that we share the earth with who are not human and they are parasitic but also take on very important roles in directing society and deciding what society is do you want to just say that you know what it's absolutely a metaphor and rich people are awful 
Like mm. either of those things are, are fine. I don't need it to be explained, but my goodness, didn't I have a wonderful time watching it? Um, ratings wise, Errol, um, we we go with classic um, olden days school ratings. None of this numbers business. We uh, we go old old A to F pluses and minuses are absolutely fine. Um, you're a you're a guest. What would you what would you rate it? I would give it. Um, I want to give it an A plus. The reason I'm going to give it an A is just the middle padding bit, which I think could be tightened up. I think it should be an hour and a half of the film. So it's clearly an A plus movie, but I'm going to give it an A. Yeah, I am going to because I've got so much to unpick still. I'm always cautious that I'll be caught up in recency bias for the first time I watch it but to have seen a film I I wish 1989 was the you know roughly 10 years ago that I feel like it should be the 1990s Mm. 10 years ago Um, but actually it's significantly older than that this is a pre-Jurassic Park film if you're in the UK uh, not the US where it came out afterwards and for that level of effects it's funny it's entertaining and I think this is one that's going to stick with me for a good long time. So I'm going to go well, for it. It's sticky and it sticks with you. It's a yeah. rhymy weird thing. Yeah, an A minus from me right off the bat on this first watching. It may well get an upgrade after I've watched it again. And the very fact that, you know, I can certainly look next time I go watching Prime Minister's Questions, I'll be thinking <laughs> very differently. Or next time I hear the Eaton Boating song on, can you imagine? You make this again. You'd have, you know, if if you're in a world where it was impossible to get sued, you have Boris Johnson as the uh, as the judge coming down the stairs. You'd have like the prime minister or some oh. big figure. Yeah, it oh. is just um, clearly a documentary. <laughs> yeah, and I speaking of documentaries, I am going to have to go and mm. check out said documentary so that's very depressing we, we were a bit upset about that so we saw that at fright fest and mark commode was doing his intro to the exorcist and we we're like oh shit should we be in there and that was obviously brilliant and then society documentary was not what we expected very good but very depressing okay. i mean the, guy that, the guys that wrote it the guy the main guy he was in a very bad place and, and this stuff was um a version of this stuff was going on for him in in LA in Beverly Hills or wherever it is and it's just it was so bleak and the film is so fun I think so it kind of jarred a lot I was like oh no I wanted weird stories of I know but but it's almost more interesting that it wasn't that but when you watch that the dark side of society I think you'll you'll find that that it's very bleak but interesting, of course. Okay. Yeah. I am going to have to go and check that out. Oh, well, brilliant. What a lovely time. What an excellent film. Um, I feel like will... I rewatched it. We, you go into real detail. I love yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I think we what we like to do is really go through and touch on everything. So we've got a chance, like, we have messages from people that say, like, some people that follow along with us, they don't actually watch that many horror films based yeah. on the time they have or just some people who find them a bit scary. Yeah. Um, they'll they'll go through with us. And if you've either seen it, it's nice to have a nice deep dive. Certainly it gives Ben less editing work to do because we can just have a chat and we can put it through there as well. So uh, 
keeps our production schedule down. Um, before we wrap up, where can people, if they've been so inspired, where is it best to catch up with yourself and all the things that you're working on? Thanks, Andy. I think Black Rabbit Cinema on Instagram is the best place to say hi or follow our work. Um, we've got Midnight Peep Show coming out on Valentine's Day. And in <laughs> in the world of society and all these things, that is a movie about sexual fantasies that go wrong to some degree. Uh, that's a crazy little film. Uh, very excited what I, about What I enjoyed from a previous Fright Fest as well. I'm looking forward to seeing it out in the wild yet again. It's coming out. There's a few other bits, um, but Black Rabbit Cinema. Yeah, that's where we are. That's the that's the main place to catch you. Wonderful. Well, do do that, everyone. Catch up there. When I was putting in, um, getting everything ready for this one, I checked out on Letterboxd, and you're one of a you're one of a limited crowd, Errol. I've seen a hundred percent of the movies you've been responsible for. I've seen them all. Yeah, actually, well, I didn't know you seen their outside. Yeah, they? caught their outside when I worked with Emily a couple of years ago. I think you were good enough to send me a version I could check out as well. Haven't you seen Unloved Ones with Jamie Winston now called something different? Uh, uh, is coming out soon. So we've got some new ones for you, but that's great. Thanks, man. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> Please do check it out. And then obviously, I'm sure we will hopefully see you in Glasgow. In, yeah, I want to come. Just That'll a be a really time. good time. Yeah, get a thing. I saw that Andy was trying to see if he can make it up as well. Hopefully, Andy we'll catch will be up there. there. I think Andy's definitely going to be there. So I'll be down there. You, me, and Andy, vodka shots. Come yeah. on. Yeah. That sounds great. Ben will be, Ben's coming up from Bristol. It's not such, you know, this is the opposite from London for me. I live, I live about an hour away. So I will, nice, easy trip for me. I can sleep in my own bed. Oh, you lucky, don't Yeah, we're looking forward to it. Right, let's wrap things up. So thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, you can become a Patreon over at patreon.com forward slash horror hangout. Thank you to all of our existing Patreons today. Thank you to our good friend Taj Easton for our theme music. Thanks for ACAST for hosting the show. Please consider giving us a rating and review um, wherever you get your podcast from. It helps us meet more like-minded people like your good selves. Um, come over to join us on the Facebook group, uh, Horror Hangout Board of Advisors. Chat to us there. We also have, if it has a name, we probably have one. We have a Discord server where you can come and chat to us directly. We have... I say we, Ben does all the work on this one. We still have Twitter for what it's worth. We have Instagram, we have TikTok, we have everything. You will find us at Horror Hangout Podcast. Give it a search, it'll turn up from that one. Come and chat to us on there. Ben loves chatting there and then occasionally he'll tag me in things and I'll turn up and say things too. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Thank you, Errol, for joining us. Come again soon, anytime. I've had a lovely time. Perhaps uh, one where Ben's well. Um, start thinking of your next choice. Come and join us again. Jack Frost, the Jack Frost trilogy. Yeah. The Jack Frost trilogy. You heard it here first, everyone. It's going to happen one of these days. Thank you, everybody. Bye for now. Bye. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.